Welcome to the revolution in the airwaves. It's The Cure with Scotty and Sully. Where we don't just talk about the medical industry, we transform it. This is The Cure with Scotty and Sully. Where we don't just cover excellence, we create it. Hey, welcome to Cure with Scotty and Sully. We are back with another uh, fun episode. Scotty, I haven't seen you in a little bit. Um, I was on the road with your boy Pritchard, your business partner in San Antonio, Texas last week, sitting in a nice Italian restaurant. Um, and people thought we were celebrating Valentine's Day because we were so engaged and really being good <laughs> listeners with each other. And uh, so it's good to see your face again, too. Yeah, he told me that uh, Charlie's coming out for your training at MedPro this week. That's so. right. That's yeah, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be jumping on a plane here at, at one o'clock and we'll be doing a little uh, day and a half uh, precise selling boot camp for the, uh, for 12 med pro rookies. And, and so it, it, it'll be awesome to, uh, to see Charlie. But today's a yeah. good day because I'm going to take you back 12 years ago, Scotty. I told you, you know, I had the entrepreneurial moment uh, radio program on Hot Talk 1510, KCTE, and I had a really cool dude. His name's uh, Tim Richardson. Tim and I are part of the National Speakers Association. And um, Tim, um, he's uh, what's called a CSP, right? That's a certified speaking professional. And and so um, we had a blast then. And and I thought, you know, who can we have on to to, to talk sales, customer service? I mean, that's, that's certainly what we're trying to do, Did, you, you know. Your goal, Scotty, and correct me if I'm wrong, and my goal is certainly to raise awareness for these brands in healthcare. And it starts um, with a few things, right? You need knowledge, skill, and you need motivation. And um, and so let me introduce you to Tim. He's a distinguished author. He's a speaker. He's a consultant. And he's known for transforming workplace <laughs> dynamics and enhancing personal professional performance. He's got a great, but uh, two great books. One's called Jump Starts. In other words, uh, another one's called uh, transformation thinking. And what I like about his stuff is it's actionable, right? It's not just sort of this theory stuff. And he, he delivers great presentations on um, peak performance, exceptional customer service, innovation, et cetera. So my man, Tim Richardson, it's great to have you, my my brother. So good to be back uh, with you again. Thank you so much for the invite. Really excited about our time together. We'll have fun and hopefully share some nuggets of wisdom as well. Awesome. All right. Tim, what part, of the away? Yeah, what part of the country are you in today? I uh, live in East Tennessee. I'm a native Floridian, but my wife and family moved uh, here 20 years ago next month. So we have been uh, East Tennesseans for uh, 20 years. You, uh, you don't meet too many native Floridians. What part of Florida? Uh, I was raised kind of all over. Born in Jacksonville, uh, lived in Central Florida, lived in North Florida, uh, all over the place. But yeah, m most recently moved up from Jacksonville area. Where uh, where'd you go to high school? I went to high school in Daytona Beach, Florida, Spruce oh, Creek High School. Yeah. Okay. I went to Terry Parker in Jacksonville. I grew up born and raised in, I was born in Jacksonville, North Carolina, raised in Jacksonville, Florida. My dad was a Marine. Well, you're not so. going to believe this. My wife went to Terry Parker High School. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> what year did she graduate? Do you know? Probably before you. Uh, she graduated in 1983. Well, I graduated in 1989, so okay. a little bit before me. Yeah. Um, well, great to have you on the program. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm really curious about the power of the pause and kind of your thoughts around that. And if you would talk about that concept a little bit, tell us about that and kind of, I think that'll kick the show off pretty nice. Absolutely. So when the pandemic hit, a lot of people, including yours truly, uh, saw a fallout in their business. 
And during that time frame, I continued to do the same things that I've always done and staying in touch with people and <laughs> making phone calls. And what I found out in talking to people is people who were working were working harder than they'd ever worked before. They were obviously, most were working from home and the lines between personal and professional were just crazy blurred. And so I remember hearing story after story about people who were, you know, again, working way more than they'd ever worked and they yeah. you know, have to do with their family and because they were working in the guest bedroom or on the kitchen table or whatever, they'd go back to work and they'd work till 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And so what I was finding out and based, based on my past experiences as well is people were feeling burned out. And so the the whole concept of the idea, and I started floating this past people, you know, what do you need? So I just need time. I need yeah. time. So I started just thinking about the power and just simply taking a pause from a short pause on a regular basis to all other kinds of different kinds of pauses that would renew us personally and professionally. And I think it's vitally important for your listeners. I'm going to guess there's a lot of people who are hard charging salespeople who like to go, go, go. And I refer to myself jokingly as a recovering type A personality. <laughs> Stop. You take time renew, recoup, rest, so that we can be our best selves for our clients and for those that we profess to love the most, our families. Can you talk a little bit about maybe a personal experience where you, that's had a big impact on you? So 2013, uh, I had uh, just a crazy, crazy year. I was just going, going, going. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, I have a hard time turning it off. Salespeople are probably the same way. Yeah. And it was just go, go, go. Had a trip after trip after trip. And that started manifesting itself as I was having difficulty sleeping. And so my family and I planned a 17-day vacation. Wow. And I set some parameters with my assistant and said, look, I don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to check email unless the house is burning down you know, or some significant crisis. And so I turned off my phone and had no calls, no emails, no nothing for 17 days. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's cold turkey, man. Where are you? Ooh. Were you in Betty Ford? <laughs> it, was, it was one of the best things that I've ever done. And so as a, as a result of that, I now talk to high performers about the value of regularly taking sabbaticals, pauses from you, Will, from technology. <clears throat> you know, and, and we see it all around. So I was at in Greensboro, North Carolina program yesterday. And the night before I was having dinner in a restaurant, I was by myself and I had my phone with me. And you know, I have a tendency if we're by ourselves to just to do what, you know, scroll, 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 scroll. Right. And I said, you know, I'm not going to do that. So I was just kind of watching people around. And I saw a couple that appeared to be retirement age having dinner. And both of them were sitting there scrolling. scrolling. No conversation, except when the food came. But even when the food came, so I'll pick up the phone. And, it, and if you're conscious and look around enough, that's everywhere. I see yeah. it at airports, at restaurants, at sporting events, at school events. You know, people are so attached to that. And I remember when I got my iPhone, my wife came to me and she said, are you cheating on me? So what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, you spend more time with that phone than you do in conversation with me. You know, part of it was the newness of the technology and everything. Sure. But so then I set some boundaries around that. And when I'm not traveling on Saturday night, I turn off my phone 
And my goal is not to look at it for 24 hours. No mm. computer time, no cell phone. So what do you do that time? You connect, you engage, you be present, you take a rest, if you will. And I remember I grew up in a, a time and, and worked for a, a, a supermarket chain that's then only Florida-based called Publix. I'm sure you're aware oh, yeah. of it. <laughs> but I've been fired from Publix twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to hear about that. <laughs> True story. Twice. <laughs> their, their motto used to be closed on Sunday to serve you better Monday. Yeah. For almost 60 years. And you'd be hard pressed outside. I can only think of two people in the retail space where that holds true today. And ironically, one of those is the most profitable in the fast food space. And of course, you both know what I'm talking about. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And they can do more in six days. <clears throat> All of their competitors can do in seven days. And I'm convinced that part of the reason is that is that they honor that there's a day to just stop. Yeah. And we don't do that enough. We're a 24-7, 365 day world. In fact, previous to this call, I happened to notice a mail truck come down my street. And I told my wife this the other day. I said, you know what? I see more U.S. postal trucks on Sunday than I do any other day of the week. You never used to. Right? Never used to. Yeah. And you know, we have mm. television 24-7. We can order stuff online 24-7. We can have conversations with people 24-7. And we, we cause it ourselves by making ourselves available. And I say to people, stop the madness. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Carve out yeah. the free where you turn off that phone, turn off that screen, and have real and meaningful conversations and real and meaningful connections. You will be a better salesperson. You will be a better husband or wife or father or sister or brother or friend or community volunteer, whatever the roles that you have, by taking time to just simply stop. And it's hard to do initially, but it's such a powerful, powerful concept. Even holding the phone, right? So, so in fact, I did this, this was, I think it was two weeks ago. And uh, as an experiment, so we were talking about um, uh, being connected in conversations, really listening to the words people are saying and, and the meaning behind the words and don't think of your next question. So it was sort of a listening skills part of my, of my keynote. And while I was doing it, I was holding my phone like this, right? So just holding it by my side. And then I asked the question, how did you feel? And people are like, I felt at some point you were going to look down at that phone. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. So, so, so it sort of discounted the words I was using, right? I said, so even holding it, yeah. it, it puts off this vibe that I'm with you for a second, but I'm not really with you. And then, you know, a funny one is, is, is you think about it, uh, the, the dinner tables, you know, you, you're, you sit down with your kids or your spouse or whatever, even bringing that phone and setting that next to your, 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 you know, your glass of wine or your, your plate, it still has the same effect. Now, some will ask me, well, what if I turn it around? So the screen's down. I'm like, you ain't cheating. It, right? You're not fooling anybody with that. It's the same right. stuff. And, and so I, it's a great conversation. Boy, it's so hard. To, how do we teach kids this? I suppose we have to model it first, right? Well, we made the mistake. My wife and I have six kids. And I bought my son who was, had his own lawn business at 17, an iPhone. And, you know, like any curious person, he's going to get in trouble using the phone. And so we started a, uh, started the, the the principle that I talk about on Sundays 
no phone. So we took physically took the phone away from on Sunday. And the addiction is so incredibly strong. We have an old, a hundred year old home with old hardwood floors. And I can remember hearing the, the floor creep and my daughter yeah. being upstairs. And she was going into our bedroom to check her phone without permission. And okay. so we decided for the rest of the kids, nobody is getting a smartphone on our watch until they're an 18, 18 years old. No one. Wow. And even, even then, it's difficult to to resist the temptation for adults, never mind a kid. Right. So my son, who's now 28, told his younger three siblings, he said, I will give you $10,000 if you can make it to 25 without getting a smartphone. Jeez. Because he did a lot of research with you in graduate school and ironically went from having a, an iPhone to going to flip phone until he got his first job postgraduate school because he saw and researched the dangers of young people and he surrounded himself with a group of people even with flip phones when they went out to dinner they put them in a, a in the center of the table and they were not to be talked talk. when they got together had a basket everybody threw their phones in the basket and i think if we can model that with our kids don't take your phone to the dinner table don't pick up the call during a meal try not to be on the phone ever while you drive who wants their teenage kid to be driving a car and talking on the phone. We know it's distracting. We know that you're more likely to be in an accident. Set parameters around that 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 phone. Um, it is a powerful, powerful addiction if we're not careful. And so, you know, what I t my kids are, you know, would complain about it and I'd say, you know, swim upstream, swim upstream. You're going to have to do hard things in your life, and you don't have to be like every other kid out there. And one of our, our our youngest daughter turns eighteen this year. She didn't even have a phone at all yet. And wow! I think she's gonna make it. She's gonna make it at twenty five. <laughs> really? That's amazing. That really is amazing. Yeah, uh, Sully, you know Barry, my best my best buddy, who's one of the best sales guys I know. He, every Sunday he does that. He puts his phone in the drawer in the kitchen and he he doesn't look at it. You know, as long as he knows where both his kids are and things and they're around, he doesn't touch that phone on Sundays. And I asked him about it. I'm like, how in the world do you do that? <clears throat> he's like, he, he's like, I just need it. I need to just take a step back and get away from it. And, you know, he's like, I'm on it all the time during the week, you know, and his <clears throat> part of his business is in the Philippines. So, I mean, he's on it all the time because of different time zones and everything else and communicating. He's like, Sundays, I just need that, that break. Um, and so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Can you talk, talk a little bit to him about, some of the challenges you see people with, with people in trying to do this and, and, and trying to slow down and then some maybe some ideas on how to overcome that. I'm sure you both have the first one. It's fear of missing out. Yeah. I think if we don't have our phones on, we're going to miss something. And I can think in the, I don't know, half the dozen years I've been doing this, one really fun event that I missed because I didn't have my phone on. But guess what? People don't call me anymore on Sunday. It's amazing yeah. to me. You know, when I first started doing it, I turn on my phone and I have multiple messages, but they now know that I'm not going to be on my phone. And so I don't I don't get those. Well, there are other ways, of course, to 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 be in contact with with people. But I would say the 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 biggest thing is is you know, we have a fear that we're gonna miss some kind of opportunity, particularly people in sales. But you know, how many of us are doing businesses on on a Sunday? Probably not very many. I don't know about you, Brian, but I can count on one hand the number of times I've spoken on a Sunday in a 30 plus year career. Yeah. Yesterday happened to be one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the, the challenges. And I think just uh, you know, it's a it's a, it's like comfort food for people. 
you know, initially we're uncomfortable with not having something to do. I'm sure you've seen it, both seen this on a plane. As soon as a plane lands, what happens? Yes. Everybody pops up and starts grabbing their bags. And <laughs> well, they're on the phone. Well, even throughout the, uh, now that you have Wi Fi, they're on it the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But previous to that, as soon as you land, if you're yeah. checking in, and I listen to all these conversations, they were always the same. Yeah. Hey, uh, or hey, babe. Hey, just want to let you know I arrived. No significant conversation most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Right. So I think the fear of missing out would be one. And I think just that uh, uncomfortableness that we have with being quiet. So, well, and I, I, and I think it, it has to start with small bites here, right? So, right. if you're going to coach someone on this, um, maybe it starts with uh, at, at six o'clock at night, it, it's all done, right? Maybe it's just on Sunday, to your point. Um, so, so maybe just set a goal. Maybe that's the coaching, right? It's just set a goal, um, a small one, because if you, if you set a big one, you're probably not going to do it, but Absolutely. it's the discipline. I, I like it. You're saying that just, you're swimming upstream. It, you know, the best things you get are hard and this isn't supposed to be easy, but, um, you know, if you do it for 21 days, you're probably going to be just fine, right? You will live. So it's, it's, it's a great tip. So, so ultimately, listen, all of this, let's, as, as we transition, it's about how do we be the best versions of ourselves, right? And, and certainly removing stress is, um, is, is something that this pause does for, for you and your, your students. But you work really hard with folks on, on uh, a process beyond this to be peak performers. And I was intrigued by your six-step process. So can you walk us through what that process is for, um, I guess, specifically to selling, right? Because a lot of our folks are driving around in the car right now listening to this, and they're maybe about to make a, a sales call, and you can help them. So so tell us about that. So first of all, I, I think it's uh, the, the, the basic thing. I've I read a quote about Michael Jordan, arguably the best basketball player of all time. And he said, if if you practice a shot and you're doing a shot the wrong way, all you do is become very, very good at doing it wrong. He said, focus on the basics. And so when I look at professional athletes, when I look at entertainers, when I look at people who are performing at, at any kind of level, you know, the things that they do in preparation, Olympic athletes, the things that they do in preparation aren't rocket science kind of things. They aren't things that nobody ever thought of before. They're just consistent about focusing on those basics and doing those same things over and over and over again. Brian, your Kansas City Chief fans, somebody posted recently a, a bit on your kicker and how he goes through this four-step process before you know, kicking a field goal. And th there was video of him on the sidelines going through this and doing these same things, you know, taking the three steps back, taking the side steps off, lighting up with his with his hand where the, the, yeah. the ball was going to go, going through the kicking action. None of that stuff is new. And so when I talk to people, whether they're in sales or anything, these are six strategies, I think, that can make all of us better professionally and personally. And the first one starts with education. I suggest to people at a bare minimum that we read six to 12 books each and every year related to our profession, 
our position or the position that we desire. And then another six to 12 books that have nothing to do with that, just to, you know, pause, if you will. For example, uh, my family and I are going to see the Broadway production of To Kill a Mockingbird in a couple of months. I hadn't read the book since I was a, a sophomore in high school. So right now, I'm finishing up the last few chapters of To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, on the way to my speaking engagement that I drove to in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'd heard so much about it, never uh, read the book, but I listened to the audio version, which is the second point, listening to um, John Gordon's The Energy Bus. And I'd say to anybody listening to this podcast, if you're feeling low on energy in your relationships, energy in your job, and energy in any other way in your life, that is a great resource. And the other thing about it, Brian, there's not one thing on that list that people probably haven't heard before. Mm. But that doesn't matter. If we know something, but we don't do it, it's as if we don't know it at all. And so I see themes in books. I see themes as I'm listening to TED Talks or listening to books on Audible or, you know, you, you and I can go to any major university and take classes for free on a variety of different topic areas. And so particularly for salespeople who are in their car, you know, we hear about this windshield time. You know, what are you doing with that time? Why not invest in yourself? And it's certainly great to listen to music that you love. And there's a value and benefit of that, I think, of, of changing mindset. But why not dedicate one or two days a week to school and listen and learn and think about how you can apply the concepts from that, that book or tape to your selling process and to other areas of your life as well. So that's the second thing. Listen. The third thing is, is attend. You know, we have opportunities to go to events, networking events, learning events, service organizations events. Right? And I think on a minimum, we ought to be looking for, again, I love the number six, six opportunities per year to do that. You and I belong to the National Speakers Association. We can go to our Influence Summer Conference every year. We have a, a winter meeting called Thrive. We have multiple opportunities monthly to participate in online and Zoom learning opportunities. And so everybody who wants to better themselves should take the opportunity to invest in themselves by going to networking events. And you never, ever, ever know what's going to come as a result of that. I'm a huge Florida State football fan. And last year, the Seminoles did very well up until the very end. But I, I watched a, a bit where Mike Nervell, the coach of the Seminoles, was talking to a group of students. And he, he said, I was a sophomore, I believe, at somewhere in Arkansas playing football. And a really large man came to our practice. And out of 100 people, nobody approached him except me. He said, I went up, introduced myself to him. And he said, hey, I'm just recently hired as a high school coach down here, I went to college here, and I just thought I would come out and, and check out your practice. Well, it turns out this guy came every spring and every fall of Mike Norvell's career. And then a couple of years later, he got promoted to a college position. He said he made a phone call to, to the college where Mike had gone and said, I'm looking for a young graduate assistant to join my team. And who did the coach give him? Mike Norvell. Because Mike put himself out there in a situation to go over a handshake. And so, you know, when we go to events, even if they stick, even if we learn nothing from the content, we might meet somebody like Mike did 
that could change our career in ways that we can't yeah. even imagine. And so I tell people, put yourself out there, go to these events, network, meet other people. Don't go and find the people that you already know. Our, our friend and colleague, Dr. Terry Paulson said, I like to think of people I know as used people because I've already extracted all the knowledge. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Tim, I just want to add something there. It made me think of of what you just said, and I'm, and I'm adding this because of the individual that I'm going to share because our audience all knows and loves this guy. This guy named John Sasson, he passed away a few years back, but John was an amazing influencer in our, in our industry. Um, and just an amazing human being. And I was at, I mean, we were hosting a meeting actually repertoire. My magazine was hosting a meeting and John was one of our speakers and I'm standing out front and it's our first day and people are coming to get their name badge and checking in and young rep brand new to the industry is getting his name badge and Sasson is standing behind him. And he hears that this is a, a new young kid in the industry. And we were, they were checking in and then going in to have breakfast. And when the kid got his badge and everything, he, he turned around and John goes, hi, I'm John Sasson. I'm with PSS. Kid had no idea who John was. I'm just like, you have no idea that you're talking, you're talking to a legend um, and a um, wonderful human being. And John goes, hang, hang tight. Let me get my stuff. And he got his stuff. He goes, come with me. And, I, and he took this young man into breakfast that morning and introduced him to everybody mm. at his table. And like I said, the kid didn't know who John was, but what a what a gift and what a lesson John taught me there of, hey, don't overlook anybody. Um, and just watching John do that, it just added to, he's in the industry hall of fame, um, mm. so rightfully deserving. Uh, but things like that, and it's stuff that nobody saw John do, that John just did. And to your point, you know, when you're attending that, go, go up to people you don't know, talk to people you don't know. I, I write about it probably three or four times in my pub letter a year of investing in yourself. Do something this month to invest in yourself. Go in and train on different products you've never sold. Read Sully's book, you know, whatever it is, but give back to yourself. It's so important uh, to do that. And I love your your idea of reading six to 12 books a year. I think it's so, so important. Or listening to them on the, you know, on Audible, but getting through 12 pieces of content that help you and what you do on a daily basis. Not sure why I just shared that story about uh, John, but it's such a good lesson and it kind of ties into what you were saying of, you know, well, there's two points. Uh, I love the used, used people concept. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. Well, there, there, there's two things that stand out there. Um, you know, uh, when I had the business radio show, uh, you know, it was nine years where you, you look for these nuggets for people who were really happy and successful. And there's not 50 of them. There's usually about five consistent things that we would hear over and over. And you just hit on two of them, right? Um, uh, the education part, let's start there. I had a guy uh, named Jer Jerry Steady wrote a great book called Leadership Unbound. Wonderful man, humble leader. Um, his most recent company he had taken from being valued at uh, $6 billion to in four years, it was worth $30 billion. And I said, well, what makes you the CEO? Like, what do you have inside of you that you give to others to make them be that productive? And he said, well, you know what I do every morning? I get up at four o'clock and I go down to my office and I take one hour and I do nothing but study. 
And I said, well, what are you studying right now? He said, well, every month I pick something, a new topic. And he said, this year I'm picking a new country. I just pick a random country on the map and I learn everything I can about that country. That's pretty cool. And, I, and I'll never forget uh, my question and his response. I said, well, how does that help you sell more of your technology products? And he paused and he said, you know, I don't know. Mm. And I loved the answer, right? He wasn't learning. I mean, he was just learning for the sake of learning. And this habit, I just kept hearing this over, Bob Proctor, right, of The Secret. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with him, uh, 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 Tim. Uh, same thing. He said, oh, his old man, he said, Brian, there's only one way to wealth, and that's through study. You have to study. So that was one big one. And then the other one I learned about these folks is when they were coming up as young professionals, they weren't afraid to ask for help. Okay. Now that kid in that line, Scotty, got lucky because John tapped him on the shoulder. Yeah. But that kid also has control over whether or not he met John Sasson that day. He could have tapped John on the shoulder, right? He got lucky. And so you have to ask for help as a young guy. And of course, when you get to a John Sasson level, what's so wonderful about these people who are successful, happy leaders is they are so willing to give help. So when you're young, ask for help. And when you're our age, you give it to as many people as you can, right? Those are two great pillars, uh, Tim. I think you just killed it. Awesome. Keep going. Well, and let me comment on on one thing. If we have time, I'd like to go back to PSS because I, I knew John Sasson when I lived in Jacksonville. Oh, and <laughs> I knew one of his sales reps who was fired from PSS, but went on to become one of the most successful salespeople in the pharmaceutical sales space ever. I want to share his story if we have time in a little. Please. In, in a little... Do it so, now. Uh, yeah. Do it now. Yeah, hit, All right. Hit us okay. with All right. So, so uh, it's, it was a, my best friend's younger brother, and he got hired for PSS out of college, and it, 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 it didn't work for him. He was not a great student. I, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of what happened, but I knew that he was fired. Well, he went... Went to work for a competitor shortly after that. And he lived in Daytona Beach, Florida. I mentioned where I went to high school. There was a little magic shop in downtown Daytona Beach. And so one day, John went into to the magic shop, my friend John, and he bought a couple of tricks. And the biggest problem that he was having was getting past the gatekeeper when he would go. He was visiting doctor's offices to try to get to FaceTime with a doctor. So he'd walk in and he would, hey, can I show you a magic trick real quickly? And he'd do a couple of tricks for the for the oh, gatekeeper, won them over, and then he'd get into the to the office. I think it was 10 years in a row. He was the top sales rep out of hundreds of sales reps for his company. Not because he was smarter, not because he had more knowledge, not because he knew something none of the other sales reps do, but he connected with people. And so, you know, all, all the things that we're talking about, I think, I think this kind of relates uh, tangentially the, to the idea of going, putting yourself out there and going to events and so forth. And the way that he did that was simply just by engaging with people with a simple magic trick. He was promoted multiple times, ended up becoming a VP of sales for the company and just uh, had, a, had a remarkable career in sales. Yeah, not the smartest guy in the room, uh, not the most knowledgeable guy in the room, but he, he chose to do something different. And that made all the difference in the world for him. Yeah. So I'd say to your listeners, you know, don't don't think about, you know, don't think about how you know, you're going to be like the top sales rep. Think about how you might differentiate yourself in a way that makes you stand out and makes connections with people. And that's the name of the game in sales. It's all about making connections. Mm -hmm. So 
Amen. You know, Tim, I call it in my seminars being stupid. Mm. These are stupid ideas, right? right. <laughs> like, what? how stupid is that to walk in with a, a card trick? That's me. I'm not going to do that. What, I'm supposed to be professional, Tim. I'm in the healthcare sales industry. I can't. Well, yeah, that's a st- I, those are the ideas, like you said. You, you can't look, sound, act, and smell like every other salesperson walking in the door. And that that that's a classic idea. And there's so many others. And and Scotty and I have known some some amazingly creative salespeople over the years, right? Of course, uh, Scotty, you know I, we bring yeah. this one up. This is this <laughs> yeah. this is an old friend of ours, Tony Malero. Tim, who would dress up. Now, we used to sell uh, endoscopy products, right? And so he created a character of himself called Dr. Ben Dover. And he would walk in with a yellow jacket, nerdy glasses, and he would act like a character. Right? So, so yeah, yeah, I'm Dr. Ben. I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm And people would say, nurse would say, get up here, bring their friends up. Look at this. And hey, this is this guy says he's Dr. Ben Dover. You, you make people smile. They'll they'll listen to you, right? When it comes time to talk about your product or or your service, so. he had a, he had a, he had a sister, Eileen, over, <laughs> Ado- adopted son from China, hung over. <laughs> so he, he, he had all of these characters that he would bring into into him. He was absolutely amazing. Tim, me and Sully, being me and Sully, interrupted you in your three part. Deal. I think you probably have a couple more points. I do, but you reminded me, Brian, of something. And if we can continue the diversion, let's go. go. (laughs) I want to tell you another two examples. So the the first happened, oh gosh, probably 10 years ago. And so I called this uh, person, is a person I met at a conference I was speaking at in California. And we just connected and I was kind of exciting touch. Well, I found out her birthday was on the anniversary of the day my wife and I got married. So it was easy to remember. So every year I called her on her birthday. So again, 10 years ago, I call her up, her voicemail picks up and I launch in unplanned, just launch into this character that I had created in my mind, this elderly lady from the fictional town of Clam Juice, Alabama. And my whole (laughs) message was with this persona and I never said who I was. I hung up the phone. And so I sent her a message a day or two later said, hey, by the way, that was me. Just wanted to check in with you. I thought I'd have a little bit of fun. Happy birthday. Crickets. Nothing. Almost two weeks go by. And one day I get an email and she said, good morning, Tim. She said, my husband and I just returned from a two-week vacation in Europe. I got back to the office with 127 voicemails, hundreds and hundreds of emails, meetings and all that. I have never laughed so hard in my entire life at <laughs> message like that. Everybody who came into my office that day, I played that message for them. Yeah. Thank you. Made my day. It was hysterical. A couple of weeks later, I'm, I'm calling a prospect that I have no relationship with. I have no referral. I have no reason for any of this to, to go anywhere. And I thought to myself, why not? So voicemail came on. I launched into the same character. It happened to be in the camping and RV business. Uh, so, you know, I use this fictional character. My husband and I love to camp. And, and you know, I think I could really, you know, get your your campground and RV people really excited, blah, 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 blah. Again, never said my name. Next day, I sent an email and said, oh, by the way, this was me. 
So she sends me a message back, or maybe she called me on a camper call, and she said the same thing. She said, I played your message for everybody in the office. <laughs> we were dying. We want you to come speak at our event. And they hired me as a keynoter. I did a breakout session, and I emceed their awards banquet. And here was the hitch. She says at the end of the call, however, we want you to bring that character with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. So it's something I do for fun. I, you know, the, the, the history of it, I would do it on people's birthdays. I would call and leave these messages and just, just disguise my voice. And, well, you know, I did, I did it. I went, I got a costume, I did the whole thing, and it was absolutely some of the most fun I've ever had in, in my life. That's awesome. And so now, if, if people don't call me back, and I do this regularly with people on their birthdays, and I've developed about a dozen different character voices that I use. I don't do the the thing anymore um, where I dress up, but I just do it on the phone call. And 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 the, what I want to say to you is back to your point about you know differentiating yourself in, in sales. If you can get people laughing, and of course, every once in a while, people don't get it, and that's okay. But you know, I try to show that what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring some energy. I'm going to bring some mm -hmm. fun. To be a little bit different. So that's example number one. Mm. The second one, I think you could ask me a question about how did I coach somebody in a sales process to be successful? And then we'll go back to the six by six rule. Mm -hmm. There was a guy, I think his name was Richard Anderson. And I was speaking to a group in Fort Collins, Colorado, probably 15 years ago. And he comes up to me at break. And as I'm talking to him, I'm noticing that his eyes are blinking in rapid succession the entire time of our conversation. And he was pretty self-conscious about it because he looked away, he wasn't looking me in the eye, but it was very, very painfully obvious to me that that was the case. He's a sales guy. He said, I got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, um, as you may have noticed, I have a, a, a dystonia with that causes my eyes to blink regularly. And so because of that, I wear sunglasses when I go in to talk to my prospects. He's telling me this whole story, and and so I said, Richard, um, this is all just kind of off the cuff. And sometimes you both know some of the best ideas come from us in those moments. I said, do you think that's a barrier for people? He said, it absolutely is. It's a barrier for me. It's made me suffer from a lack of confidence in my ability to communicate effectively with people. So I thought for a moment, it only could have been from God. This idea came to me. I said, Richard, own it. I said, own it. He said, what do you mean by that? He said, the next time you go in to see a prospect that you've visited before, take off the classes. And some point during the sales call, I want you to say something like this. Hey, Scott, you may have noticed that I'm not wearing glasses today like I usually do. You may also have noticed that I blink uncontrollably. And it's a medical condition that I've had for most of my life. And I've worked very, very hard recently to try to overcome the frustration and lack of confidence and fear of failure that I frankly have visiting with prospects just like you. And I want you to know that I'm going to work as hard as any sales rep has ever had if I get your business, just as I have to overcome this limiting belief and fear of failure that I've had inside me for so very long. He said, in fact, I brought you something today. I said, then, Richard, I want you to pull out of your coat pocket a shrink-wrapped pair of glasses with your business card in there where you've handwritten below your name and above your title, the glasses guy. 
uh, and walked out. <laughs> Much to my delight, three weeks later, he sends me a package and in the mail, a pair of sunglasses branded with his company logo and his business card, Richard, the glasses guy. Ah, that's awesome. That's a great story. <laughs> I love it. I love that. My yeah, gosh. Awesome. Talk about, what a wonderful thing. And I bet he loved his job a lot more after that, Tim. Well, you know, I'd say to everybody listening here, you know, we're, we're talking now about six things that you can do. So we'll add a, a 6.5 or a seven thing. Here. You know, always be thinking about some way that you can leave your prospect or your client with something to remember the relationship by. It may not be about you. Maybe something that you've picked up in a conversation with them, but taking time to really understand and to listen and to have systems where you're in touch with people regularly. And then when you do so, you, you brand the experience by doing something like Richard, the glasses guy, did for many, 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 many years. So something to, to put in your pipe and smoke about as you're driving in your car. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you'll, if you'll humor me, I, uh, I just want to share one really qu quick story. Because a lot of our bodies tell us not to do this stuff, right? Because it's, I mean, it's uncomfortable. You get this little shot of adrenaline and you're like, geez, I don't know. And of course, our bodies are designed to protect uh, uh, protect ourselves. I was doing a seminar and we talked about topics like this. And I, I tasked the, the, the class to, to come up with one creative idea, like you're describing, that you will do to thank your existing customers, the ones who are great to you, who haven't haven't heard a real thank you from you in a while. And then the second is I want you to think of a prospect who's really difficult to get into. They're just not seeing you. And I'm doing this seminar. And after I give them 10 minutes to come up with the ideas, they have to share their ideas. Now, there's one woman in the class who has no interest in being in that class. She's being held hostage. She wasn't even looking at me, right? So I knew when I got to her and I asked the question, I said, because we call it being stupid. I said, tell me something stupid you're going to do to get into an audience, someone who just won't see you. And she looked at me. She said, I'm not doing anything stupid. I think this whole seminar is stupid. Of course, <laughs> of course I jumped, went across the table. We wrestled for a few minutes. It was fine, right? But, but and I said, come on, there's got to be a prospect who won't see you. She said, oh, yeah, it's Kansas City Diagnostic Imaging. I said, well, what's the deal? She said, they're going to be buying three mammography machines but the decision maker won't won't meet with me to even look at mine. I said, well, well, what's the deal? She said, I've tried email. I've tried voicemail. I've stopped by there five times. They won't do it. And I said, well, why don't you try something creative? That's not me. I have to be authentic to me. And I said, well, how's that working for you? Yeah. So I couldn't break her. She went home um, and I got an email from her boss, this guy, Brad Brown. And um, and Scotty, you might even know the, the Brown family from back in the day. And, and, and the email said this, Sully. You got to read this. And it said, Brad, I got an appointment set up at Kansas City Diagnostic Imaging. And here's how I did it. I went home and I baked a cake. And in frosting, I put my phone number on top of the cake and I, handed, I had it hand delivered to that decision maker. Now, when you get a cake delivered to you with a phone number on it, you do one of two things. You either call Homeland Security and they blow it up in the parking lot. <laughs> Or you dial the number and the decision maker dialed the number was so impressed that she tried something new. He said, listen, we're pretty far down the line with GE, but come on in now. So I was so happy. Forgot all about it. It was about six weeks later. The email came through. Sully, you will not believe this. It said, Brad, I want to let you know today we'll be placing a purchase order for $1.5 million. And it all came from a stupid cake. And of course, what happens? She goes on to become the cake lady. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so your body will fight you, but you will be rewarded for it, right? That's I awesome. love it, man. I love those non-card-carrying calls. They're the best. <laughs> right? They're yeah. fun. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, where are we going next, Scotty? Well, the problem with this is this uh, exchange makes me think of another idea, So, but I'll hold that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim, Tim, let's let's kind of wrap this thing up here and talk a little bit about, you know, overcoming mental blocks and kind of some strategies you have around that. Well, I, I think the first thing is to do is you, as, as we've been talking about, you got to give yourself permission to not do the things that you've al always done in, in the past. Uh, yeah. I like to tell salespeople when I talk about them that no, N-O, really stands for next option. And so, you know, that's what you're just, Brian, you were just talking about with this, this the cake lady idea. You know, what's the next option? If we can't get through or penetrate to our our client, we've got to ask ourselves, what's the next, what's the next option? And so, I, you know, in, in sales, as we both, all three of us know, you know, it's, it's never a, a one-time transition transaction you know we've got to be able to to put ourselves out there multiple multiple times and so you know if it doesn't work via email does it work for via phone mail? and by the way i'm amazed at the number of times that a prospect for a speaking engagement will not respond to a voicemail will not respond to an email and sometimes in my mind this is a powerful thing that we have to our own limiting beliefs about making something happen so let me let me i'll just now, take a short tangent again. So one of the things that I do when I'm making a, a, a voicemail call is I'll leave them a, a very succinct message and then say, by the way, if you happen to be on LinkedIn, I'll send you a LinkedIn message as well. Well, I've already determined that they're on LinkedIn. I've found them on LinkedIn, so I know a little bit about them. And I send them the message right after the call. They don't return the phone call. They don't return the email multiple times, but they do accept the LinkedIn invitation. So what that tells me is, is I, in my mind, had decided that they didn't want to do business with me just because they didn't respond to an email or voicemail, but because they now have accepted a, a, a LinkedIn invitation, I know, hey, I'm okay to continue the dialogue, which I do. And I'm amazed at the number of times, and it happens to me over and over and over again. I'm sure it happens to your, your listeners. Uh, just because somebody doesn't respond to the first six or seven or eight <laughs> or nine communications from does not mean that they're not interested. It's all about timing. It's all about uh, when they, you know, need to take that uh, next step. It's about their needs. It's about understanding all all the things that we talk about in the sales process. And so, I, I think for me and for your listeners, having the right mindset is vitally important in and moving forward with with anything, but particularly with the sales. Yeah, I think it's a hundred percent. I also would would throw in there the uh, value and the power of content. Mm. Sending content to your prospects that will help them it may not be about you, and in fact, you don't want it to be about you. You want it to be content that's valuable to them. We talk about it all the time with suppliers that hey, you could go into a health system and give them your products, but if they're not in the mindset to make the change, or they have six other things in front of that. They, they can't implement it. They don't have the time or the manpower to do it. And what we try to help them do is create content that around the problem they solve. And when we see somebody clicks on that, there's the person you need to be going and talking to right now. 
not just blasting it everywhere, but find the people who can implement what you're trying to solve for them now. And you can do that through content. Very similar to what you're saying. Just because they get something from you doesn't mean they aren't interested. You just got to find out when the right timing is so that they can be interested and implement what you're trying to help them solve uh, on a regular basis. And it's just, it is, I, I think salespeople tend to, I know I do, I get frustrated when I don't get a reply back the first time or the second time or the third. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not just going to give up on it. But I love what you're saying there. Don't, you know, keep, keep going at it because just could be timing. They may not get to your email. It could have 30 emails in front of it, you know, so on and so forth. So love that yeah. kind of yeah. thought. We are, well, and, you know, and I say the objective has to be when you're, when you're making those calls, you're either going to make them smile or you're going to make them smarter. Tim, which you've just described is how to make them smile, which makes the connection, which hopefully gives you an entree to, 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 to deliver your presentation. But Scotty, the other thing you're saying is don't show up with this open hand, gimme, 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 right. show up with the giving hand. And that's what the content you're describing is, hey, you, you, you may be happy with your existing supplier, but I found this article or there's this best practice or there's a new way to do something. And I just wanted to share it. And it might have yeah. nothing to do with even your own product, which I think you almost makes it even better, right? I learned yeah, something. And you're yeah. a connector of people through content and, and, and smarter or happier. You're, you're doing good, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, totally. uh, all right. Well, Tim, you, um, I mean, how that was the quickest hour of my life right there, Tim. <laughs> and that did go fast. I mean, we 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 can go for three hours. We can do a Joe Rogan podcast for three hours. Let's right do now. it. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> but 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 uh, but Scotty's a busy man. So so Tim, um, um, you know the wrap up education. If we had to do a brief recap on this study, I love the six to twelve books uh, e yep. each year. I'm going to start doing that because you know I've been not consistent, and I love you. Got to make it a habit, right? Learning has to be a habit. Pick a time each week. I tell people, take one hour each week, put it in your calendar. Maybe it's seven o'clock to eight o'clock on a Tuesday. Just make it a habit. I think that's wonderful. Attend. I think that's amazing. And the more people you know, the better you'll be. You're going to be, how can't you be, right? And the, the folks with the most friends, I think, do the most business, which means you, you, you got to get out there and, and, and be, be creative. That, that's what I learned. Scotty, I don't, I don't know anything I'm missing there. I love the I love the pause like pause from your phone each week. I'm, I'm I want to start doing that. I'm gonna. I don't know that I can shut it off all day on Sunday, but maybe a couple hours Sunday morning. Like you know, get up and just don't even turn it on till after twelve o'clock. Kind of start there. I, I love that, um, and I think it's always great to to remind ourselves. As Sully says, do stupid stuff. You know, be creative. You know. And it doesn't have to be on a on on a new prospect call either. It's all, I I thought I was just thinking a second. I'll I'll make this story quick. But we had we were uh, had just gotten the the nitrile glove business with Patterson Dental. This is back in probably two thousand six or seven, and uh, we had had it for about a year. And we changed the product a little bit. And the uh, the guy Tom Easty, he's he's not there anymore. Uh, was getting just a ton of calls as people were pissed because the sizing changed a little bit. And uh, he was furious and we were about to lose all of the business over one little niche piece that we had won. And uh, Billy, the president of Sempermed at the time was freaking out. He's like, I don't, I don't really know what we're going to do here. We got to go up and see them. We can't lose. They're, they're our biggest single largest account. 
um, we cannot lose all that other bit, all of our latex business over this little bit of nitrile business. And so I said, I got an idea. I went to Toys R Us and bought these gigantic boxing gloves, like huge boxes. <laughs> and we go into the office and we're sitting across from Tom and I had them hidden under the, the table next to Billy. And Billy goes, Tom, I know you're upset with us and it, we will make this right. I promise you we will, but I need you to get some of this frustration out because it's all Adam's fault. And he puts the gloves <laughs> on the table. He goes, I want you to just knock the shit out of them. <laughs> and Tom just did what Sully's doing. Just starts laughing. He goes, I want to be pissed at you two, but I can't because you're such jackasses coming in here. Here with the boxing gloves. So I think you can do that stuff, even like, you know, turn a bad situation into a good one. Uh, and you can't do that in everyone, but, you know, being creative, I think, is is something that we all need to remind ourselves on a regular basis with it. Scotty, one final question. Um, yeah. Can you turn your cell phone off during your four-hour round of golf? Uh, that's not a bad idea. I keep, I keep it up. And we start small. Yeah. I keep, I usually have it on because I keep my score on hole by hole, but I used to charge it. I used to. What are you, 85? That's how, that's how Billy knew I was playing. He's like, he goes, when you're going to answer your cell phone, I know you're on the golf course. Uh, all right. Hey, Tim, where can people learn more about what you do? Hey, a lot of these medical companies, they have sales meetings and you, you, you've got a lot of stuff to share. Maybe tell them a little bit about the books. Lead us. Sure, yeah. Uh, you can find just about everything at timrichardson.com. And and we didn't finish the six by six rule. And I just happened to remember that I wrote each of those uh, segments starting in mid-May of 2022. So I write a weekly column that I post on LinkedIn called Positivity. And during that time frame of middle part of uh, May 2022 into June, I did all I did an article each week on those so they can, can check me out there. And uh, be happy to, to have conversations about uh, any of the things that I do with any of your your uh, listeners. And That's even awesome. if I can help somebody, I'm happy to have a one-on-one -on -one call or a sales team call just to, to explore some ideas and be my great gift. I appreciate this opportunity to share with your listeners. I love, love, love what I do. And I hope uh, that... People listening love their jobs as well because I think that's a really, really key component to being su successful. You got to be passionate and you got to you got to do it with love. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So check out timrichardson.com. And um, no doubt we have two more hours to uh, chat. So you'll join us again, I'm sure, won't you? Look <laughs> forward to it. All right. Cool. Scotty, love you, brother. Then we'll uh, you too, we got another, another great guest. I mean, we got them all lined up, Timmy. We got NSA, like Chris going to be like an NSA year, 2024. <laughs> awesome. But you know what? You, you just set the bar. So I hope you enjoyed yourself. You've been listening to The Cure with Scotty and Sully. See you guys. Timmy, good to meet you, man. Likewise, Scott. Thanks so much. All Timmy, right. thank Bye. you. That was awesome.